Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, good morning and welcome to Valley Point Church and happy May, right? We're one month closer to summer. If only it could begin to feel like it, right? But we're heading that way, and it'll be here before we know it. And my name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and would just like to say thank you for being here today. And if this is your very first time with us, I want to say a special welcome to you. And it's our hope that today is a fun day, but also very meaningful to you, and that you'll come back and see us again. But we're in a series called... The story. And we've been in this series for a very long time, and we've taken a chronological walk through the entire Bible. So we began in Genesis, and now we have reached the New Testament, and we've been talking about the life of Jesus. Last week we talked about the resurrection, and today we're going to continue in the story. And I'm really particularly excited about the time frame that we get to cover today. Because a lot of the times we talk about the stories of Jesus and his life and his miracles, and we talk about his death and his resurrection, and that's sort of where we end with Jesus. And then we sort of pick it up and we talk about the early church and the different letters that were written by the apostles for the instruction of the church. But there's this time in between the resurrection of Jesus and when the church really began to expand. And that's where we're going to hang out today. Also through the story, we've talked about God's upper story. And so this is God's plan for finding his lost children, for reconciling us into a relationship with him. And through this story, we have seen that the first phase of God implementing his plan was done through the nation of Israel. And through the Old Testament books, we saw that God established a chosen nation called Israel, and they were the ones to represent God here on earth, to show people what he was like and what he wanted for us. Well, that wasn't sufficient, right? Because people are just too broken to be an appropriate representation of God. And so he initiated phase two, and that was by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And so Jesus came, announcing that I am the way. And he came not just as a representative of God, but Jesus was God. And he declared this, and he began to show us in a tangible way what he's like and what God wants for us. And Jesus was sufficient for this. But there was a need to initiate a third phase, because after all, Jesus is no longer here to tell about himself, to tell about God So what is God's current means of letting the world know who he is and how to find a relationship with him? We're going to answer that question today. And the answer to that question is found in the book of Acts. And Acts is the first book of the Bible that we come to after the four Gospels. So at the beginning of the New Testament, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus. And then we get to Acts also written by Luke, the same author who wrote the Gospel of Luke. 
Well, Luke sort of depicted phase two of the story of Jesus. Well, then he goes on to write Acts to say, here is phase three of God's upper story plan, and this is what we're going to unpack today. So here's our upper story or the big idea for today. It's this, that God's third phase of finding his lost children is Valley Point Church. That's right. We are phase three. We are a divinely commissioned group of people commissioned to carry out phase three of God's upper story plan of telling everyone about him. And not just Valley Point Church, of course, the church at large, but I want to make it very personal for us today. And keep that in mind as we're walking through the the content of today and the history of today. Because here's how we're going to break it down. All right, we're going to talk about three very significant historical moments, historical events that happened here on earth. All of these events happen within 50 days of Jesus' resurrection. So we're going to really focus in on just 50 days after the resurrection. And then the total amount of time we're going to cover is only about 35 years. So the time between the resurrection and when the church really began to expand is where we're going to hang out today. And then we're going to come back and say, okay, how do these three events impact our lives today? So that's where we're, that's where we're heading today. So are you guys ready for this? I knew you would be, so let's jump in. So this is the lower story. These are the events that are happening on earth during this period of time. So we'll begin at the beginning. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, this is Luke again, I told you, Theophilus. Now, we're not exactly sure who Theophilus was, but later on, there's indications that he was a very influential and... Uh, respected individual who probably would have been responsible for expanding these words to other people. And so in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach, phase two, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles or disciples further instruction through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and we talked about this last week. And if you missed last Sunday's talk, you can go on our website and you can listen to that. And I think it's beneficial because Jesus appeared to people after his resurrection. At one point, we talked about he appeared to over 500 people. And why did he do all of this? He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. This kingdom that's coming where Jesus will be king and everything will be as God intended it. So here's where it gets even more interesting. In verse number four, once he was sitting and eating with him, his disciples, the apostles, and he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they didn't really understand what this meant. And it's going to be clear in just a few moments. So a little bit later, they're walking and talking with Jesus. And they want to know more about this kingdom of heaven and when it was going to happen. So we go on to verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come? Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? So they still did not understand what Jesus was trying to get to. 
They were still waiting for Jesus to do more, to act, to overthrow the political setup of the day and to say, no, I am now king and this is my kingdom. Well, Jesus responds with this. He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. But again, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. And then we're, we're getting ready to see our first historical event. All right? So don't miss it. Be prepared here. And Jesus goes on and says, And you, talking to the disciples, will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria. Now make special notes of those two areas because that's going to come into play again a little bit later. And, by the way, to the ends of the earth. This is a pretty significant command. And that's our historical event number one. It's Jesus' command to his disciples. So how does that impact us today? We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But this all occurred 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. So this particular event is also recorded in the four Gospels. And you can read more commentary about what was happening in this conversation. But Acts really sums it up with this one statement. But overall, Jesus brought all of the disciples together in one place to tell them some things. He said, first of all, I need you to understand that what I have done here on earth is complete. Everything I came to do is finished. And so I have to leave. But here's what I need from you. While I'm not here, I need you to carry on my work. And so he commissions his apostles to be the ones who carry on telling others about God. Phase three is initiated here. And so the apostles are there, and they're a little confused. (laughs) They're still wanting more conversation, more answers from Jesus. But here's what happens in verse 9. After saying this, he, talking about Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were still watching, and they could no longer see him. So in the middle of a conversation, the disciples still trying to figure out, wait, Jesus, there's still some things that you haven't done yet. This can't be over, right? There was no revolution. There was no political overhaul. Just a command, and Jesus is gone. And you have to love how Jesus does things sometimes when he's on earth. He was always trying to catch the disciples off guard. He was always trying to throw curveballs at them and make them question what he was doing. And so Jesus didn't accidentally hit the ejection button and go shooting up into the clouds. This wasn't an accident. While the disciples weren't done with the conversation, he was. He said, I've given you everything you need, and I'm now leaving. And he left. And so here we have the disciples looking to the sky where Jesus had just disappeared. And we pick up in verse 10, as they strained to see him. And the idea here is that they were gazing intently at where he just was. They were fixed on where he had just disappeared. While this is still happening, two white-robed men, angels, suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. 
Why are you standing here staring into the heaven? So I love this. This is one of the best statements in the Bible, I think. Because these guys appear and they just say, what are you looking at? Right? What's the big deal here? This is how you know that these angels are from the Northeast. Right? Because they had no time to waste. The, the apostles are standing here with this majestic and supernatural event. And someone lays on the horn behind them. Hey, what are you looking at? Light's green. Let's keep this moving. I've got things to do. And then they go on to say, Jesus has been, these are the angels, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you just saw him leave. And I think there's some significance to how all of this panned out. Because I'm convinced that God knew, however Jesus left, in whatever way, the disciples were going to be frozen looking for Jesus to do the next thing. When Jesus said, I'm not the next thing. You are the next thing. You're now commissioned to carry on my work. And so in all of the confusion, in all of the chaos, the disciples leave and go to Jerusalem because that's the only thing they knew Jesus had told them, go to Jerusalem and wait. Have you ever been there in life where you're just waiting? That something has come to a conclusion or you see it coming to an end, perhaps in your profession where you were working, maybe a phase in life is coming to an end and you're just not sure what the next thing is. And you're waiting. And you're waiting for God to come through with what's next for you. It's in these times that we have a tendency to become unproductive. Just waiting for God or Jesus or someone to do the next thing when we are supposed to do the next thing. And so I think Jesus and God knew what the disciples were going to be struggling with. So immediately they sent these angels to tell them, look, stop looking to the sky. There's nothing productive happening looking into the heavens. You need to begin to look around you and figure out how to accomplish what God and Jesus has commanded you to do. So our second historical event is Jesus' ascension back to heaven. Well, what impact does that have on us today? Again, we're going to cover that in just a few moments. But then they go back to Jerusalem, and Acts chapter 2 continues the story. On that day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So it's very interesting to note that the disciples at this time would have been preparing for an annual feast called Pentecost, or 50th. And 50 days after Passover is when this particular feast would be celebrated. The Jewish people would know this as the Feasts of Weeks, or the Feast of the Harvest. And the idea here is that they would come together and they would thank God for a healthy spring harvest. And they would offer to God as a sacrifice, as an offering, their first fruits of their harvest. So the significance of this day is very appropriate for what is about to occur. So we're coming into our third historical event. I need you to be ready. I need you to put on your seatbelts because things are about to get a little bit crazy, okay? In verse number two, this was at the feast, suddenly... 
There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers, and they were completely amazed. What an event! Nothing like this had ever occurred before. And in the middle of all this, one of the apostles, Peter, stands and rises among the crowd. And he begins to lay out this epic speech. And he says in verse 36, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierce their hearts. What a great statement. His words pierce their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what are we supposed to do with all of this? What do you want us to do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent from your sins and turn to God. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to them that day about 3,000 in all. In one day, I think God was coming through with a promise. We're no longer 11 How are we going to accomplish all of this? We're 3,011 overnight. And this would continue to expand. But the historical event number three is the Holy Spirit is sent by God. This is the helper that Jesus had promised. Until this moment, the disciples, the apostles, had never been filled with the Holy Spirit. They had spent time with Jesus. They sat under his teaching. They knew what it was like to be in his presence, and I'm certain that was special. But never before had they had the Holy Spirit indwell inside of them. This was amazing. They had never experienced this before. And the symbolism of this happening at this event was that the Jewish people who received the Holy Spirit on that day represented the first fruits of all of the believers who would eventually trust in Jesus and have the Holy Spirit indwell them. And then something very special began to occur, something miraculous. Let's read on. All of these three events paved the way for this. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they prayed together. What's this beginning to sound like? And they worshiped together at the temple. Each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And thus the church was born. That's our history. That's the story of where we are today and how we stand on the shoulders of the great early apostles. So after Jesus' resurrection, he got the apostles together. He gave them a command. 
that you're the new phase that needs to carry out my work. Well, then he left. But then he sent the Holy Spirit to give them power and the ability to to accomplish this great task. And more and more believed and more and more gathered and began to pray together and worship together and believe the same things together. And thus, the church was born. If you've ever wondered how it all began, that's it. That's our story. However, the story of the early church did not end with all smiles and campfire songs. They met some very difficult and hard times. And it's first important to realize that the apostles weren't trying to establish a new religion. They were trying to help Judaism come into full blossom and say Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. This fulfills everything we've been looking for. But the early religious leaders did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they began to separate themselves from the Christians. And Christianity would rise in influence and begin to expand. And that posed a very troubling problem for the religious leaders of that day. And so they began to suppress the teachings of the apostles trying to get them to stop all of this until it reached a boiling point. And there was one day when Peter, one of the apostles, and John, another apostles, were teaching in the temple about Jesus. And they also became famous for healing a crippled man in the name of Jesus. And so the religious leaders heard about this and they said, this this needs to stop. And so they had the two apostles arrested and brought before the council of that day, among whom was a man named Caiaphas. You remember Caiaphas? He was one of the main players that forced Pilate's hand in sending down the orders to have Jesus executed. So here's Caiaphas and the other religious leaders, and they begin to question By what power or in whose name have you done this? Healed this crippled man. Peter speaks up. Let me clearly state so that there's no confusion to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Just in case there was another Jesus from Nazareth, it was the man you crucified, but God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures when it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, the cornerstone of the church. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. They must have been shocked, a little frightened but certainly angry because they had just succeeded at wiping Jesus off the face of the earth. And so soon, his name reappears in this way. And they don't know what to do about it. And so they go aside, they collect their thoughts, and then they call the apostles back in and command them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. So they're released. They continue to preach, 
And they're arrested again and brought before the council, questioned, threatened, and this time it escalates and they beat the two apostles. They flog them. And you would think that this would begin to lighten their enthusiasm, right? Well, here's their response to all of this. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Wow. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. You getting the picture here? I don't think the apostles are going down easy. I don't think they're going to be stopped. And it begins to escalate even further. All leading to a monumental and historical moment for Christianity. And it was when a man named Stephen was arrested for preaching about Jesus. And Stephen, like the others, were brought before the council in question. Well, Stephen fires back and says, you are the ones who have murdered the one true Messiah. Well, they didn't like that too much. And we can continue the narrative of how they responded to Stephen. And they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, later to be named Paul, by the way, which we'll return to next week. But as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died, making Stephen the first recorded martyr for Christianity. In Acts chapter chapter 8, the very next chapter goes on to say that a great wave of persecution began that day of Stephen's murder sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all of the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, two places Jesus commanded the church to go. Perhaps it was necessary. Well, no, perhaps the church had become too comfortable in Jerusalem, already turning inward and not sharing their faith with others. Perhaps they weren't doing this at the rate that God needed them to. Regardless of why, they scattered. But they would rapidly expand. So what does all of this mean for us today? My story, your story. Let's just ask the questions, and let's begin with this. What impact does Jesus' command have on us today? Well, Jesus' command still holds for Valley Point Church, right? No new command has been given to us. So this one remains in effect. We have a task to accomplish, so we must be on mission. The church is the most powerful tool on earth for sharing the good news about Jesus. We are commissioned for this task. And when the church is united... We are an unstoppable force all throughout history, starting from the early apostles in the early church. When they found unity and passion, they were unstoppable. And leaders all throughout history have tried to gather every earthly means possible to stop the church, and they just can't. People can't stop the church. 
Satan cannot stop the church. It's an unstoppable force. The same command, the same mission is presented to us. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. We're phase three of God's plan. So next question. What impact does Jesus' ascension have on us today? What's this? Do not stand still with your faith. And I say this to myself. Do not stand still in your faith. Valley Point has a mission to point people to real relationships and real significance. And we believe this accomplishes what God has asked us to do of telling people about him. And this isn't a passive mission. It takes work. There's things to accomplish and things to get done, and we have to do it. So be here on Sundays. This is important. Encourage one another. Get refreshment for the week to come. This is important for us. So be here on Sundays and participate in our Love Day efforts. Participate in our compassion trips of spreading the good news to the entire world. Invite others to sit beside you and join you here. Continually work at deepening your knowledge of Scripture. Mature in your faith because the church needs you. And God needs us to be on mission so that we can accomplish the great command he has given to us. When the church is unified and working towards this mission, we are unstoppable. And then lastly, what impact does Pentecost have on us today? The Holy Spirit is available to us. To those who believe in Jesus alone to save them, the scripture teaches us that once we do that, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us and gives us the power and the understanding to know how to live the right ways. It's the Holy Spirit who guides us. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand scripture. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us share our faith and confidence with others. And this is available to everyone. It's through the Holy Spirit that we do not have to live any longer in fear. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear sickness and disease. We don't have to fear for our finances. We don't have to fear for the safety of our children. Not that those things aren't worth fearing, because they are. But the Holy Spirit now gives us this power and confidence to know that God is in control and He has our best in mind. And He will come through for us. And that's what you can have today through the Holy Spirit. You don't have to understand it all. You think the 3,000 people at Pentecost understood everything that was happening around them? There's not a chance. All they knew is that the words of Peter and the truth about Jesus pierced their hearts. And all they knew is that I need to trust in Jesus right now. That's all I know. And that's all you need to know. And you can trust Jesus with the rest of it. So don't wait to understand all of this because it's never going to happen. There's things that God knows and understands that aren't, they're just not for us to understand. He's asked us to simply trust. And that can be a reality for you. 
if you embrace the words of the great Apostle Peter when he states, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you for our time here together. I want to thank you for your holy inspired scripture and the history that you've packed inside of this to help us understand where where we came from. How did all of this happen? And what do you want for us and from us? God, I thank you for establishing the integrity and the passion of the early apostles in whom we now get to stand on the shoulders of. Thank you for the men and women who have sacrificed to give us the freedom to meet here right now in this room unafraid. And for those who have never put their trust in your son Jesus alone to save them, I pray that they would make that decision today. Not understanding everything that comes along with that or even everything that means help your words to pierce their hearts and know that all I know is that I need to trust in Jesus today. And for those of us who have made that decision, help us to not grow weary in doing well. Help us to carry on your legacy here on earth in a way that makes you proud to call us your church, your bride. Help us to stay on mission. Get in the game. Don't get caught staring into the sky waiting for you to do something when you have called us to do something. Help us to be an unstoppable force for your kingdom. I pray that your blessing be on the individuals and the families represented in this room. Pray that you would protect us You'd protect our marriages. You'd protect our families, our children. Keep them safe. We pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.